Marva is a project of Israeli attorneys and social welfare experts. They wanted to assist and empower Israelis facing difficulties caring for their personal welfare, well-being, and legal rights. The name is a Hebrew acronym for Law, Welfare, and Empowerment, and Marva is a Good People Fund grantee. In this episode of Good People Talk, GPF Executive Director Naomi Eisenberger speaks with Dr. Mickey Schindler and Dr. Michal Vosner of Marva. Here they are in conversation. Mickey, would you give us a short description of Marva? Okay, great. So first of all, thanks for having us here. It's uh, quite a young organization. We were established, uh, founded in 2015, eight years ago. But Michal and I and most of the staff are, are lawyers in the world of elder people, older people and people uh, with disabilities for more than 20, 25 years. And a lot, I have a lot of experience with uh, legal assistance for senior citizens and people with disabilities. We realized that we may intervene uh, legally, but in many cases without uh, accompanying it with uh, a therapeutic intervention, uh, we were not able to achieve achievements and, and solve the problems. I'll expand on it maybe later, but for example, we give assistance to many, many old people who suffer from elder abuse and many times just working in legally just won't, won't solve the, the issue in our. Uh, and the second point is that many times when you intervene legally, uh, we understood that we have to take in account the therapeutic uh, consequences of what we do. For example, legally we could intervene to take an old person who suffers, for example, from Alzheimer's the old age home and protect him, uh, but then we we understand that maybe we protected him uh, physically, but emotionally he will suffer and it will cause him a lot of harm. So so we really understood that to achieve the right goals, we really have to work together, uh, law and uh, welfare and, and and therapeutic interventions and. That was the, the trigger or the tipping point that we decided that we must establish this organization that will focus on, on that aspect. How many cases does Marva actually get, let's say, in the course of a year? Elder abuse is, is one of our, our main projects that we, we assist uh, older people who suffer from, from elder abuse. It can be also self-abuse. Elder abuse, according to the WHO, the World Health Organization, one out of uh, six older people suffer from elder abuse, which can be physical, emotional, financial. Uh, when it comes to self-neglect, the numbers, according to some uh, research, is even higher. Between 1,500 and 1,700 uh, older people every year, we, we assist legally and therapeutically, which is high numbers. Uh, it's a tragic, really tragic, and, and we work very hard all around the country to help these older people. How many areas are you able to cover? Well, first of all, uh, a project of elder abuse is only one of the projects where right. we also help people with disabilities, and maybe Michal will speak a bit more about 
a project that deals with with uh, people who, who deal with mental health issues, which is also a very important project that we established in health. Uh, we started in Jerusalem, and it sounds a bit amazing when I think about it, but today we, we approximately work with 70 municipalities all around the country, from Kiryat Shmona, which is probably the northest city in, in Israel, and we even work with Eilat, which is the southwest uh, city in Israel, and, and all around the country. So we work all around Israel, and we're working hard to, to reach every person that needs our help. Michal, Mickey mentioned the population that's dealing with mental illness, and I know that, that is, that's the area that you are working on. Can, can you tell us a little bit about that and, and the issues that that encompasses? Yes, we realized that we can use legal tools to help these people, if only we will think about from the other side, not uh, just to come with a legal tool, but to think what, which legal tool can help uh, these people from, and, and be better for them, make their welfare better. And I can, I can give you an example, which I had already few few cases like that, of people who suffered from a deeper disorder. Have a, when they suffer from a mania episode, they can make many things that afterwards are very sorry about it. And uh, for example, I have a case. I had a case of a man who is uh, married and he has three young children. And when he had an episode, he just you know he broke everything. He started. He wanted to establish an online commercial shop and took loans for that. And also, he wanted to leave to leave his wife and to make the children, the young children, meet his new uh, love, which he found during this uh, time. And actually, they they were almost getting divorced because of that. And uh, when the wife came to us, we understood with our uh, social worker. That actually it's a good couple. They don't really want to divorce. But what happened to them is as his uh, episodes get worse and with lawyers who wanted to help them to get divorced, it went there and it would be uh, the solution if you wouldn't uh, do anything else. But we could with legal tools as empowering um, power of attorney and with agreement between of them to, to to make it better uh, and to let them stay together. And actually we saw that if we we can show them that we can deal with the next episode, if it will come, they can stay together and to be and be uh, feel safe that they will be able to to take it another time if it will be there. So uh, this this way of thinking, which is very different from how lawyers think, they want to divorce, let's help them to divorce each of them in the best way, which means the, the worst way to the other one, uh, we, could, uh, we could really help here. And actually we did it a few times already with people with a bipolar disorder, but uh, we need here a good uh, social worker to understand the what we are dealing with and how we can help with our legal tools. We we also needed a psychiatrist. A psychiatrist, yeah. First of all, because um, 
to make a power of attorney, during power of attorney, you have to be, we, we have to know that the person is in his good uh, position enough for doing this uh, legal, uh, legal power of attorney. And also because when you when you sign during power of attorney, you say there that how will you know that there is another episode? What will be will be the starter of this uh, of this uh, power of attorney? And this is a decision of a psychiatrist. Right. So we have a psychiatrist, but we don't have a psychiatrist in in Marva. We you know we use a psychiatrist out out of Marva. So the the stuff is. Very much uh, based on the world of social workers and and lawyers, and all of them are with years of experience, the lawyers especially because it's sort of a unique sort of expertise and uh, usually you need a lot of years of, of of working in this field so you can deal with these complex issues. I know Mickey when you and I have spoken before, you've shared some. Some very compelling stories about elder abuse. Is there some one story that you can quickly recall? I don't know why, but it's uh, as you mentioned before, elder abuse is it's it's really uh, tragic. And I'll, I'll I'll continue from what we we said uh, spoke about uh, that we work together with therapists and social workers because when we deal with elder abuse, first of all. Most, we have to understand when we talk about elder abuse, we're talking about people, uh, older people who are abused by, by usually family members, from people who have, who they trust, uh, it could be neighbors or assistants, but it's usually uh, family members and, and usually uh, children. And when I mean children, I mean adult children. It could be children, you know, people who are in their 80s or 70s or 90s, and the children are in the 40s or 50s, and sometimes even more. And usually, not all the time, but usually they have uh, mental health issues and they're not taken care. I mean, they, they refuse to, to, to receive treatment or people who suffer from addictions and live at home and, and many times uh, abuse the, the parents. And one of the most, uh, the, the biggest problems is, um, and legally, it's, it's an enormous difference if the older people are competent to make decisions or they are suffering from, from a lack of capacity to make decisions. So that's why when we spoke, and you also mentioned doctors, we all the time in complex situations works in uh, like a multi-sort of team, which includes us as lawyers and social workers who know more about maybe about the family and, and doctors. And if the older person is suffering from, from, let's say, Alzheimer's or something that uh, has influence on his capacity to make decisions, so legally it's more easier for us to intervene because we can many times intervene even though we don't receive his, his consent to intervention because basically he can't make decisions. But many times the older people are, uh, have, a, have capacity, legal capacity to make decisions. And one of the biggest tragedies is that although they suffer from abuse from the children, uh, they find it almost impossible to intervene or to go against their children because they suffer, they, they feel guilt, they, they're worried about what will happen to the child. Uh, sometimes it's 
it's love, even though they suffer from, from abuse. It's, it's ambivalent sort of feeling. And this is happens many, many times. So what happens many times is that the older person will come to us and will come and say, please help me. And then we say, okay, but are you willing to go to the police? Are you willing? And he says, no, what's going to happen? Or are you willing to take a restriction order to kick, let's say, your child out of home? And he says, no, what will happen to my child? If I'm, if I'll send him from home, who will take care of him? So it's really complicated. And what we learned is that if we go in and ask for a restriction order, or, so the child will leave the house and it will, you know, a few days will, will, you know, take a week or two weeks and he'll knock on the door of his parents and the parent won't be able to say no and bring him back into the house, what we call the revolving door. So what we learned and what we do many times is that we, uh, and this is like an example, but it, it happens many times that we had a case of, of a woman in her, in her 80s whose daughter was, I think, late 40s about, and she suffered for years from mental health issues and wasn't willing to receive treatment. And the mother, uh, when she came, she was abused, you know, also verbally and also financially, and even there was a case when the daughter pushed her and she fell. It, it was, was really very difficult. But the mother said, I mean, I'm going to suffer, but I'm not willing to kick my daughter out of the house if no one will take care of her. In many cases, and in this case, uh, we told the, the mother, we're willing to go with you to court, and we will ask the court and the judge to receive a restriction order, but more important, to tell the daughter that she has to go to treatment. If she won't go to treatment, uh, she won't be able to go back to, to home to her mother, and the, and the court won't uh, allow that to happen. So what we did was we went to court. It took many times. To, you, have, you have to understand, it took weeks to convince the mother, the social workers, that we have to go to court, and she was willing. But we also promised her that when we'll go to court, we'll ask uh, from the from the judge to compel the daughter to, to receive treatment uh, or convince her to receive treatment as a condition that she eventually she can go back to home. And what really happened is we went to court. It was very, very, it's really sad to see. And the judge, which was uh, wonderful, um, told the daughter that she, she has to leave home and that the social uh, services, and this is again how we work together as organized for her to receive treatment in a special uh, place, and it will be for a few weeks. And if she will, you know, proceed, if she'll go on with the treatment, then she'll be able to go home. And that's what really happened. And, and it happens many times. And this is a good example of, of exactly what we try to do. We understand that just going legally will never solve the problem, or 99% will not solve the problem. We need the, the therapeutic intervention to convince the mother to go to court. And we need the therapeutic intervention to find solutions for the daughter or the son that suffers from addictions or from mental health. And only when we work in this sort of holistic way, uh, we can find a solution. Uh, and that's an example, but it's an example that we had in different sort of you know, stories, but uh, many, many times. It really brings uh, enormous uh, peace and and security to these older people who suffer for years. So so that's the optimistic story then that happens.
I'm sure that every story is not optimistic. No, you know, it's, I don't know how to say it in English, but in Hebrew, you say, whoever saves one person, it's like you save the whole world. Of course, yeah. yes. Yeah, so I think, you know, you, you never can have 100%, but really every person that we help is, we feel like we save, we, in a way, we save a world of uh, a world. So, and we, and we help many, many hundreds of people every year. Not, not everyone, but a lot. And that, that's a great feeling of satisfaction. When we met in February, you shared the program that you're now running in East Jerusalem. I don't remember, Michal, is it your program or is it yours, Mickey? But I, I, could you tell us a little bit about it? Because I know this is where we, this is where the Good People Fund invested its funds to, to help implement the program in East Jerusalem. We, our philosophy of our organization is to help everyone. It doesn't matter if it's Jewish or Arab or Christian or Muslim or... Uh, we also have a attorney who's also a social worker who is, uh, who is Arabic. And we thought the only way of really assisting the Arab population is by having someone who, who, who speaks the language and, and knows the culture a bit more. And in the past, like two, three years, um, we have a, a, a team that lives in East Jerusalem, uh, which is, I don't know how many people know, but it's uh, the east part of Jerusalem in the Arab part of Jerusalem, and uh, we have a team that really deals with issues of elder abuse, and I'm in the team with uh, our attorney, who is Nuhin, which is, and and we we help also the society. Now, Arab, uh, East Jerusalem is a bit different than other Arab areas in Israel. Uh, as an Israeli Jewish person, it's not really safe. Um, walking in those areas. So we do it basically by Zoom in with East Jerusalem. Uh, other places in, uh, in Israel, it's no problem, but in East Jerusalem. And, and I must say, it's something amazing about it. It's, it's you know, it's, it's a lot of tension when it comes to East Jerusalem and all the Arab Israeli conflict. And, but when you come down to talking about people or all the people who suffer from, elder abuse, and it's like all of that doesn't really have any importance. Is good people, it doesn't matter if Jewish or Muslim or Christian, that get together and help uh, other people who suffer, older people who suffer from abuse and, and try to work together to so- solve the solution. So it's something, I'm telling you from my experience, my, my, my own experience, something inspiring about that that sort of uh, getting together uh putting all you know the diff- all the big issue of this conflict somewhere else and just focusing and zooming in and helping all the people who are suffering from abuse and and, and assist them as much as we can so i think that is that's something very special about what we do i think that that is probably one of the most significant things that you have done in Marva's work. What's next? started a new program that emphasizes, uh, that focuses on, on financial exploitation and people who are exploited financially, not by their relatives, but you know, different sort of, of people who they don't know many times besides the, the, the legal issues, it's a lot of 
emotional issues. They feel that they are hurt emotionally, and that's why we intervene also so uh, legally and also emotionally. Uh, the same we started a few years ago helping people with dementia, and we're all time looking uh, to expand the programs that pro- the programs that our uniqueness could, could come in and, and assist. But the second thing is, uh, and we thank you for what you said, and in eight years, we, we really feel we're doing a lot, but there's so much more to do. I mean, we still have to reach more people uh, and reach uh, more fractions of the Israeli society. If it's the Arab society, or the ultra-Orthodox society, or people who live in different areas, I mentioned that we help about uh, between 1,500 and 1, 1,700 people who suffer from elder abuse. But if each out of one out of six uh, people suffer from elder abuse, so we're talking about maybe 250 or 300,000 people in Israel. So there's so much more to do. It's true about mental health issues and people with disabilities. So we, we're doing a lot, but there's so much more to do. And and I, this is also the time to really say thank you and the Good People Fund because for your partnership because it's, it's something that you can't do by yourself. And before out your support and support of other good people, uh, it's it's not a it's not a, it's not something you can do by yourself. So this is also a good well, time to say thanks to all of you there. I want to thank you both for taking the time to speak. And I appreciate all of the great work that you're doing with Marva. I hope that you have the strength and the means to continue it for many, many, many years to come. Mm-hmm.